Lefty grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere. A radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome aboard here on this uh, Thursday afternoon. Uh, Big headline right now is that uh, Hunter Biden has been indicted, but not for any IRS uh, or tax infractions. This is on the weapons charge, which uh, it's really interesting. You listen to Fox, and it's the big story, but they all would say that that's not the real big story. The real big story will be if he gets indicted in Washington, D.C., and in Los Angeles on uh, tax charges, uh, which they haven't investigated yet. He got out of the other tax charges because the statute of limitations ran out. They were afraid that if the new special prosecutor, who was the original prosecutor in Delaware, let it run out on two other major charges involving uh, income tax evasion, and so uh, it's interesting listening to the different uh, networks reporting it. Uh, Fox says it's a big deal. It's not as big a deal as it could be uh, when they because this has no ties to his father, Joe Biden. This was him lying about filling out an application to buy a handgun where he lied and said he was not on drugs or addicted to drugs, which he was at the time. And uh, so the uh, <laughs> on the uh, on. Fox and interviewed a number of Republicans who said, you know, they still don't have anything that ties in with the income tax. That's how they can get the evidence to trace it back. And I've heard rumors that they may have found the 10 million, the two, 5 million deposits that went to Joe and to Hunter. Um, it still hasn't, that hasn't serviced publicly yet, but that's all they need is one deal that they can trace back to Papacita, uh, the big guy. And uh, in the meantime, they're going to prosecute this. And, uh, of course, on uh, CNN, they had a guy on talking about that it's, uh, you know, he probably won't serve any time since he's a first-time offender. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't uh, there was no violence or any crime involved with it. He just lied on the application. Now, keep in mind, the Democrats are the people who are always screaming about more gun control. All of a sudden, the president's son uh, violates one of the basic principles of, of – um, proper application and, and checking everybody to make sure that they can own a gun and he'd lied on an application. So that doesn't look good, uh, but they don't care what it looks like. They just, uh, they're just trying to, you know, condemn everything they don't like and uh, don't want to talk about the rest of it. Then over on uh, MSNBC, they had uh, Kamala Harris as former press secretary, this woman, very short hair, big smile. And she said, what I would advise all of them to do is just not talk about it. It's a family matter. <laughs> yeah. Just like they never talked about the, the Trump family uh, about anything. But that's what she says. It's a family matter. And just uh, the, it would be no comment, which is pretty much what they're doing. Uh, they, however, are coming out. The White House um, releases a memo defending Biden amid the impeachment inquiry. They're calling it, this is extreme politics at its worst. <laughs> oh, I guess official Phil Scripps Howard's news regarding the impeachment inquiry into the U.S. president. Look what they've done to Trump for for, for eight years, and uh, but that's not uh, politicizing uh, politics at its worst. White House is pushing back on the House impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. 
keep in mind, this is something they said was all lies. There was nothing to this. There's nothing to see here. Well, you know, uh, Hunter did get indicted today, but that's not really a big deal. Before, remember, they were always saying, he's done nothing, zip, nada. There's no law that's been broken here. Well, turns out maybe there are. The Biden administration released a 14-page document defending the president that called the inquiry stunt filled with de- demonstrable false claims. <laughs> On Tuesday, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy directed the House to open an inquiry to review the president's interactions with his son, Hunter, and his business dealings. And McCarthy took to X, which is Twitter, uh, Wednesday morning to help alleviate some concerns for some members of the Republican Party saying that this is not a political stunt. And it really isn't. The, the, the Democrats want to make it sound like this is the beginning of impeachment. This is, this is merely to see if there's any grounds uh, that they can link money to him but they had, don't have as much power just on the oversight committee. So that's what they're trying to do is get that all going. And so far, they, uh, it, it's just a process, you know. And, uh, and so you know, it moves slowly, but uh, I think it will eventually happen, especially since you're starting to hear more and more people come out like Kamala Harris starting to kind of hedge your bet a little bit. Um, here's a, a cut, uh, number four, Pelosi on Biden running again. Do you think there's any chance he does not continue running? I hope not. I hope not. I mean, this president... David Ignatius recently came out saying he, he thinks the former president should not run. Yeah, so, that's one. <laughs> <laughs> that's one. I think there's a few more. This is, uh, Pelosi on Kamala Harris being a good running mate uh, to uh, Biden, cut number five. But do you think she is the, the best running mate, though? She's the vice president of the United States. So people say to me, well, why isn't she doing this or that? I said, because she's the vice president. That's the job description. You don't do that much. <laughs> you got nothing to do. Well, well she was in charge of uh, the uh, immigration problem. And uh, so far, we've had 7 million come into the country, so I would say she's a total failure at that. And here's a Washington Times reporter asking White House why President keeps lying. Uh, Cut number six. Uh, John, um, in the past couple weeks, the President has lied about being at ground zero the day after the September 11th attacks, falsely claimed he saw the Pittsburgh Bridge collapse, Uh, claimed his grandfather died in the hospital days before his birth. What is going on with the President? Is he just believing things that didn't happen did happen, or is he just randomly making stuff up? The president uh, was deeply touched and honored to be able to spend 9-11 with uh, military members there in Alaska and some families, uh, and uh, was, uh, was, was honored by their presence and the chance to make an um, important set of remarks about why we need to continue to remember that day, um, and he did that. Um, and he spoke about uh, a visit to Ground Zero, which he did participate in, uh, about a week or so after uh, the the event, um, and what that looked and what that smelled and what like, like that felt like, uh, and it had a visceral impact on him as it did so many other Americans on that terrible day. And he's focused on making sure that an attack like that never happens again. Yeah, he's so focused he went to Alaska instead of any of the scenes of the crimes and. 9-11, uh, but that's okay. Uh, they got Bidenomics, and uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre says uh, Bidenomics has turned 
the country and the economy around. Cut number 11. So I'm not going to get, uh, you heard You heard Jerry, uh, the chair of CEA, talk talk specifically about the economy, speak, speak specifically about a major speech, a major speech that the president's going to do tomorrow on Bidenomics. You've heard us talk about Bidenomics and how we believe has turned uh, the economy around, and just not from us, but from the data that we certainly have seen. And, uh, of course, all the numbers are just horrible. They came out with the new inflation numbers. It's gone, the inflation is up again. Fuel prices are up again. I understand he's going to tap back into the um, the national emergency oil reserve, which we're down now to 460-something days till it's flat empty. Does not replace one drop of oil uh, in there since uh, he started taking it out. And uh, I think if he lease a, you know, a million barrels a day for 465 days, then uh, it'll be tapped out right about the time uh, – you know, the election comes around so they can keep gas prices low. They can't get me for that. <laughs> of course, if we end up having any kind of a war, we can't even get our airplanes to fly because we've got no reserves left. But then what are you going to do? You know, Joe's out there trying to do the best he can. And uh, that ain't good. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but then we're going to check in with uh, Lynn Norton with Tenderbox. That's where... Uh, Guy Fierro was last night. Uh, he's got a line of cigars. He's got a line of tequila. He's opened a new restaurant. We'll talk about all of it. Come up in the next segment. And welcome back on a lovely Thursday afternoon. Uh, in case you haven't heard, Guy Fieri has been in town in Memphis here for the last few days. He's Opened up uh, one of his restaurants, Guy Fieri's uh, Tunica Kitchen and Bar at the Horseshoe Casino. Then uh, last night, he was out in Lakeland at the Tenderbox, and uh, it's a place I frequent, uh, the one on Houston Levy. And uh, one of the owners, Lynn Norton, is on the phone with us right now. I wanted to find out how that went last night. Good afternoon, Lynn. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Earl. I uh, talked to your manager over at the store in Arlington this morning, and he said that uh, Guy was great. He said man, he was uh, very uh, friendly with everybody, enjoyed the whole thing. Which he, So he comes off uh, just like he does on his uh, drive-ins, diners, and dives, I guess. Uh, no, he absolutely does. It was, it, was, it was very enjoyable. We had a nice crowd, but it wasn't too crazy. Um, he signed a lot of cigar boxes but, and, you know, had personal – attention that he gave everyone but uh we also saw him sign a bunch of other stuff too <laughs> whatever they fun. wanted uh and i'm well, sure had, uh... i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say he's a uh, very some uh celebrities uh, just want to take pictures i know morgan uh freeman just wants to take pictures doesn't sign autographs but i think it's because he has a bad hand but a uh, guy just seems very um, amiable to about everything. Uh, if you want a picture taken, you want me to sign this, uh, I'll do it. No, he was. Um, I say he took a lot of pictures, and he made videos for some people that, um, for loved ones that they had that weren't there, that they wanted to send a special message to, which was really nice. Um, it was great. It was a really nice event. The, the he signed guy. a rolling pin. He signed <laughs> a saxophone. <laughs> I mean, crazy stuff. Well, he, uh, he's a busy guy. I mean, he started out years ago. He was a former chef, and then he started driving his diners and dives, and that thing it, it took off. And I know that every restaurant he came to here in Memphis, uh, Uncle Lou's, I think he's been to about six or seven restaurants in Memphis, puts them all on the map 
internationally. People watch that show and they come to the United States and they go to the places he tells them about. And I guess the same thing is going to happen with his restaurants and uh, the places he goes. With his, now he's got a tequila, and he also has his cigar line. Uh, how are his cigars? Uh, they're very good. They're um, they're made by Espinosa. Um, they've got a few different blends and different sizes. And, you know, anytime a celebrity comes out with a cigar, you're kind of like, oh, whatever. <laughs> um, but, no, they did a really good job. They worked. Um, Espinosa worked with Guy to put this blend together, so they put a lot of effort into it, and it took like um, the eight—I think they said 18 months—to get the blend that they wanted for it. Is this the? It's a very, very nice blend. Is it, is it full line Maduro or Naturals? Um, yeah, they have uh, Maduros, Habanos, and Connecticut. And I'm wondering, is it the, the kind of cigar he smoked before, so he wanted to share with everybody what he likes, is, or did he just come up with something he thought people would like? Uh, well, I think maybe a little bit of both. You know, like Espinosa is very well-known in the cigar business. They put out very good quality cigars, and they would blend things and send it to Guy, and then Guy would say, I like this, but I don't like this, or I don't like this one. And they just kind of kept narrowing it down till they got it to where they wanted it to be. Well, he is a chef, so taste is very important to him. And he never recommends anything that he doesn't really believe in. I, uh, exactly. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to getting I understand you sold out of the, the chef specialty. Is that the name of his, the, his signature cigar? Um, yeah, it was a special sampler that they came out with. Um, we, we got him in that day and we just sold out of them but we should be getting more in so we'll be in good shape <laughs> well good I'll, I'll pick one up at the one on the place your tinderbox on houston levy i'm just by there today as a matter of fact the um the the thing that i think is interesting about him because you look at we just lost jimmy buffett and he did so much more than just music and i think that's what you're seeing with guy he wants to be really involved with everything and there are people like that out there that it's not just about the money it's about creating a lifestyle really with its restaurants, uh, tequila cigars. I uh, sampled his tequila last night and it's outstanding. I mean, it's, uh, there's no burn. You, it's a sipping, uh, tequila. You put a little, uh, just a little ice in there and sip it. And it's, uh, it's just excellent. So I'm, I'm very impressed with everything he's done so far. Yeah. I don't even drink tequila, but it was, it tasted good to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it's so smooth. It is. It's you like, know, it didn't have that, it didn't have that bite like tequila can give you sometimes. No, the old, uh, Cuervo gold burn as we used to call it. <laughs> I get it down, but I don't think I want to, uh, well, uh, tell them where your locations are, Lynn. You've got uh, the one I go to in Houston Levy and the one out in, uh, it, is it Lakeland or Arlington? It's on 64. I know that. Yeah, it's at the corner of 64 and Canada Road. It's uh, listed as Lakeland. And then we have the one in Kyerville at Houston Levy and Winchester. Uh, we've got uh, one downtown on South Main, right across from SOB. And then we have one on Poplar Avenue, uh, right there at Mendenhall, where next to Huey's. Uh, so and I've been to everyone except for the one uh, downtown, but I'm sure I'll get there eventually. But uh, you guys do a great job. I'm I've known you for many years, and you've always uh, you take care of your customers, and uh, it's a very well family-run operation. And uh, I appreciate you, and uh, thank you for having a guy come in and uh, share his cigars with us. 
All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. You sure I appreciate will. It. I'll see you again soon. All right. All right. Bye, Lynn. Uh, it's uh, Lynn Norton with the uh, Tinderbox, and uh, they are good folks. Uh, there, and it's a great place to go. Most of the people go in there and they sit. They got all these big lounge chairs and they watch television. And you go in there some days. There's thirty people in there sitting around. I, I'm always on the go though. I, I get them sitting down. Gotta go. Gotta go. Like, Why don't you hang around a while? I said, Well, you know, I got uh, I got people to see, places to go, and my favorite place to go is uh, my deck on the back of my house which i was out on it last night cooking a steak uh, and uh, it was a beautiful night it looks like we're gonna have another one shaping up tonight uh but i, I did want to go through a little bit more on what guy's been up to here he was uh, also at uh, at uh wiseacre which is a brewery and uh, uh he's um gonna be at buster's liquor tomorrow let me tell you about that we're gonna be going live from buster's Tomorrow from uh, from 3 to 5 o'clock, if you want to get to a bottle of his tequila, which is called Santo Resposado, and he's got the gold, the white, and another one. And uh, they've got new packaging. <clears throat> I, I tried it last night, and you can look on my Facebook page, Earl Farrell, and see a picture of the two glasses. Uh, it's uh, As we were talking with Lynn, it's a very high-quality uh, uh premium tequila that's a big new huge rage all over all the movie stars and celebrities everybody's got a a bottle of tequila they're selling now and uh but it's it is as lynn was saying it's not like the old cuervo gold tequila this stuff is really good uh but if you want to go there they're not going to let you buy a maximum of two bottles of tequila at a time uh you can line up at 230 at buster's liquor that's there on highland just uh, just south of poplar avenue and uh, he'll be signing and uh, taking pictures, and just like he was doing at uh, the tinderbox, trombones, uh, t-shirts, whatever you got. Go line up, and uh, he'll be there doing that until 5.30, and then they cut the thing off. Uh, but uh, go by there. We'll be there going live. Hopefully, we'll get some. We can spend a couple minutes with him. And uh, But uh, as Lynn said, he's a good guy. And it'll be fun meeting him and get your picture taken with him and trying out his tequila. Maybe we'll just hang around the parking lot and drink tequila. What do you say? It's a possibility. <laughs> anyway, he also was at Wiseacre, and, uh, which is a brewery. And uh, he did that uh, with, uh, I guess that was yesterday. Uh, and uh, he... Uh, Opened his first Mid-South restaurant, which the restaurant is named uh, uh, Tunica Kitchen. Guy Fieri's Tunica Kitchen and Bar at the Horseshoe Casino. So I don't know how many bars or restaurants he's opened up, but apparently a lot. He's also talented making appearances, diners, drive-ins, and dives. A crew has also been in town, apparently filming a few local spots for a future episode or episodes. Las Tortugas, Deli Mexicana, which is one of my favorite places. And uh, so we'll look forward to seeing that coming up. We've got to take a break right now. We'll be back. Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. 
And thank you very much, and uh, welcome back on this uh, lovely Thursday afternoon. Uh, you just heard UAW workers poised to strike. White House prepares emergency aid for supplies. Uh, it is, uh, and he's always building himself. He's always saying he's the biggest union man that's ever been in the White House, and union all the way. And he's always going to visit Detroit and the union workers and. Uh, but they haven't endorsed him uh, for president at this time. And they're going out on strike because they're saying that uh, he is uh, all this talk about electric cars and is not talking about uh, combustion engines, which are still the huge part of the market and uh, trying to talk people out of buying combustion engines. And the auto workers are asking something like a 39% raise and uh, a shorter work week and, Anyway, they got until midnight tonight before they're going to go out on strike. We got uh, George Gully with Jim Karras Chevrolet coming in at four thirty to talk about it, get his um, his side of the story. What do you think will happen? Uh, he sent me a message today. He said uh, this is not good news for any of us because of the car industry and the housing industry, are the two biggest industries in the country, as far as consumer purchases. I mean, your car and your house are the two most expensive things you'll ever buy. And uh, it's just if they stop buying, if they stop making them, you can't buy them. And if you ain't buying them, it slows the economy down. And uh, something like a strike could cost, uh, they said, if it stays on for 10 days, it could cost several billion dollars. And uh, they say what they're going to do is start off just in Detroit and just do a couple of uh, factories there. And then if it doesn't get solved, they're going to expand it uh, into other other automakers. And uh, before long, it could be everybody. Uh so it's a, it's a very iffy situation, but uh, Joe's got it under control, just like everything else. Uh, it is, he said, there you go. Oh, lordy, lordy. Uh, but um, let's, we'll find out at midnight tonight if that does, in fact, happen. Uh, in the meantime, uh, there's people still calling, saying that he's too old, although... Um, uh, you got uh, Mitt Romney who uh, says that he's quitting. He's not going to run again. And he says that uh, Romney compares his wing of the party to Trump's wing of the party. I don't know. I never thought of uh, Mitt Romney as having a wing of the party, more like a feather of the party. But uh, cut number three. Well, there's no question, but that the Republican Party today is, is in the shadow of Donald Trump. Uh, he is the leader of the greatest portion of the Republican Party. Uh, it's a populist, I believe, demagogue portion of the party. Uh, look, I represent a small wing of the party, if you will. I call it the wise wing of the Republican Party. Uh, and I don't believe we're going away. I think ultimately we'll see a resurgence and come back into leadership of the party. Uh, look, uh, my wing of the party talks about policy and about issues that will make a difference to the lives of the American people. The uh, Trump wing of the party uh, talks about resentments of various kind and getting even. And, and settling scores and, and revisiting the 2020 election. What are the policies for the future? And my party is only going to be successful getting young people to vote for us if we're talking about the future. And that's not happening so far in that other way. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, Bit Romney does, a party on populist notions. Uh, cut number 12. Long term, because I think young people are paying far more attention, are not going to be sucked into the uh, the, the populist notions, and and so I think I think our party goes back to, if you will, the wise wing of the Republican Party, 
uh, as time goes on. But do, do, do you think that you're your party, though? I mean, do, Trump is leading, dominating in the polls right now. He's probably going to be your nominee. You're on the outlier of the party. Yeah. There's no signs that what you're saying, that the party's going to shift oh, away. I'm not, talking, shift away. I'm not talking about in the next two years. I'm talking over the next decade or so. I mean, I, I, I just, I mean, populism doesn't work. I, I quote that M.L. Mencken line, which is to every complex problem, there's a solution which is simple, clear, and wrong. And unfortunately, that's what we're hearing. And again, on the, on the Trump wing of the party, I haven't heard policy other than saying we're going to build a wall. And by the way, and by the way it was working, Mitt. Also, uh, what everybody is concerned with is the, the economy. I mean, it affects everybody, especially young people. They're out there... Uh, with part-time jobs, going to school, they're getting ready to have to start paying back their student loans. And uh, this family found out just how expensive things are getting. They went out to Taco Bell, uh, and for a family of four, spent $53, uh, cut 16 I try not to complain too much, but we just went to Taco Bell and got food for four of us, and it was $53. This morning, we went to an upscale breakfast restaurant and got breakfast for all four of us, including an appetizer, and that was $66. So Taco Bell is almost the same exact price to feed a family of four as it is to go to an upscale breakfast restaurant. Make it make sense. I don't understand. I mean, I understand inflation's crazy, but this has to be greed. Taco Bell, I mean, we got three cheesy gorgita crunches and they were $14. So they're like $4 or $5 a piece now for a taco at Taco Bell. A beefy five-layer burrito is $3.89. I don't understand how this can't be inflation. Taco Bell used to be like a dollar. Yeah. You could get dollar. A beefy five-layer burrito was like two bucks. I don't know, man. Make it make sense. This is insane to me, the, the price. This has to be price cut. And uh, Colin, you were just telling me the other day you stopped at uh, one of the food trucks and got a uh, a uh, chicken uh, quesadilla, and what was it? It was fourteen dollars. Yeah, wasn't it? it was it was fourteen dollars for just a quesadilla, no no sides, no drink, nothing. Just the quesadilla was fourteen dollars. It wasn't a combo. And it, uh, when you think, and, and it's true. I remember back in the day, you could go to Taco Bell and spend four bucks and get the the sack of you know full of tacos and burritos, and and uh, now you know it's fifty bucks and you got a couple of tacos in there and a bean burrito, and the breakfast places uh, are also expensive. We went to one not long ago on Saturday morning. My my daughter and her husband and our little grandson and Kathy and I, and it was like seventy bucks. Uh, you know, for breakfast, it's eggs and pancakes, and coffee. <laughs> Come on! Uh, but I, the other thing that amazes me, you still see all these places that are just packed. We were at the the uh, Sunrise Breakfast Place the other day, did a live remote there, and the place was packed. You couldn't find a place in the parking lot. So I don't know whether people are just getting used to the, this is how much it costs, and that's what we got to spend, or they just don't go out much. And when they do, they go, okay, it's going to cost us a lot, so we'll go out. Uh, I do know that we really look at stuff when we go to uh, shop for, like I said, we cooked steaks out last night. We went to Costco Saturday, and I got four inch-and-a-half inch cut uh, ribeyes for $51. Now, back in the day, we could have probably gotten those things for $25. 
but now you fifty one dollars for four thick ribeyes, a choice cut. They weren't uh, prime. That would probably double the price. But if you go out to a big steakhouse and order the same 15, 16-ounce ribeye uh, that thick, it's going to cost you 50 75 maybe more. And that's every, they serve everything else a la carte. Uh, so I think what you're going to see is this thing continues. It doesn't look like it's going to abate anytime soon. I mean, you got the price of oil uh, is uh, gone up to $100 a barrel again. And... Uh, it hasn't been that high since 2022. And then Biden, in order to hold the price down, is draining more out of the um, strategic reserve uh, because he never paid back the other one. So, you know, it's uh, it just the beat goes on, and we just kind of hang on until uh, something breaks loose because i don't know what it's going to be uh they you know they keep talking about how they want us to stop eating beef do you know that it costs a lot more in in fuel and fertilizer and uh carbon emissions to raise thousands and thousands of acres of corn to make uh, ethanol with than it does to raise enough beef to feed the nation uh cows don't take up much and other than their uh, gas problem, which I've never, I've been around cows all my life and, uh, I've never, you know, they poop, but, uh, as far as the gas problem, I've never really mounted. It's not, uh, it's just part of the process, but I don't think that's what's causing global warming, global change, uh, climate change, floods in, in, uh, California. Uh, I think it's just it's sort of like Fossey in his claims, which they're now saying, even Fossey's now admitting that the vaccine's called myocarditis. He was always denying that before. Cut 13. Again, we have experience with this type of vaccine in billions of people. It's a safe vaccine. Of course, with the mRNA, there's a very, very, very low risk, particularly in young men, of getting a myocarditis. But if you look at the risk of myocarditis from COVID itself is greater than the risk of the vaccine. Yeah, but no risk to you because you're not 18 and a male. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, then we'll be right back. Stay with us. And welcome back on a Thursday afternoon, almost Friday, my favorite day of the week. We do have a couple of accidents. We've got a couple uh, close to downtown at uh, uh, North just north of uh, I-240 and uh, I-55 down there as you get close to um, I-55 you take the cutoff there at uh, go south or north up through um, Midtown uh, there's two accidents there and you got another one Shelby Drive and uh, Hacks Cross Road there seems like there's something at Hacks Cross Road every day and uh, we got a couple other ones working up around the uh, Summer Avenue and uh, North Holmes. Got a couple of accidents there, so it is getting into the rush hour area, so everybody's wanting to get home on a Thursday before they get home early on a Friday. It's a weekend. Not that we live for the weekend, but uh, don't forget there's Thursday night football tonight, and for all you football fans, and there's really a lot of 
uh, talk now about um, the uh, injury to uh, the Jets quarterback. <laughs> they were just dying to uh, get in there and show the world the Jets are back. It was a real tragedy. Uh, but uh, they're now saying that artificial turf is to blame for his Achilles heel. But the thing about it is uh, everybody else was out there playing it, and he, he was almost 40 years old. And as I can attest, uh, things just don't work the way they used to as you get older. And uh, that's just the way it is. I mean, you could... You don't, you don't like it. You don't have to like it. Uh, but uh, it's just the way it is. And uh, more and more high schools are going to artificial turf. I did talk. Uh, hear some guys talking, some uh, former NFL players, J.G. Watts, saying that he liked uh, uh, the uh, uh, artificial turf in rain and snow, but he didn't like it uh, the rest of the time. Um and so, but that's what we got here at the Liberty Bowl. And by the way, Navy in Memphis tonight at 630. Uh, don't forget that great night for football out there. And uh, you got, <coughs> excuse me, football for the rest of the weekend. And uh, college, which is just a great time of year for college. And also all the, all the NFLs. So a lot going on this weekend as far as activities and just getting outside and doing stuff. I mean, it's, uh, the heat is finally gone and it is just absolutely so refreshing to step out of your house and not just feel that blast of hot air. So, uh, speaking of hot air, uh, the cops are called after Jennifer Granholm, a staffer uses a gas powered car to hold an electric vehicle charging spot for Biden's energy secretary. <laughs> I mean, think about that. You're not supposed to hold a place in line for anybody to do anything. But he's like, I'm in a hurry. I'm a very important person. Uh, says that. Um, they had the only open EV charging station outside a local Walmart while the Biden administration official was still en route. Granholm, who's 64, was on a four-day road trip from North Carolina to Tennessee promoting green energy with a traveling caravan of electric and non-electric vehicles when a member of her advanced team used a gasoline powered car to reserve a charging station for her according to npr angered at least one family who had been waiting in line hey what's going on here <laughs> the inconsiderate practice is known as icing it refers to the internal combustion engines inside gasoline powered vehicles and is subject to a $100 fine in Washington, D.C., where the Department of Energy is headquartered, but it's not legal in Grovetown, where the June incident occurred. There's literally a non-electric car that's taking up space who said they were holding the space for somebody else, and it's holding up a whole bunch of people who need to charge their cars, a furious woman told 911 operator, according to the Augusta Press. <laughs> this is a problem you never heard before, you know? Nobody pulled in line on a bicycle to hold a place for a, a combustion engine car to come along. Uh, but uh, there it is. Secretary uh, Jennifer Granholm used a gas vehicle to hog the only open EV charging station outside of Walmart. I, I was talking to somebody Sunday about um, electric vehicles, and this is one thing that they're, they're also, wait till this happens, is they don't charge tax for electric electricity that you charge your electric vehicle with 
as they do gasoline. I mean, gasoline is the majority of the cost of a gallon of gas. And in some states, it's higher than others. But like California, my goodness, it's probably two or three gallons, uh, two or three dollars a gallon just for their taxes. But in what's going to happen is, and that's what goes to help fix the roads, build the bridges, keep everything going. And these cars weigh a lot more than the cars that we're driving now, the combustion engines, because they've gotten them down in weight so much. That was one of the big deals is make them lighter, less impact on the roads, uh, use less gas. So now they want us to switch over to battery-powered cars. And I saw a thing the other day. The guys uh, had a hybrid, uh, a Volt, a Chevy Volt, had 70,000 miles on it and had to get a new battery. And the battery was $29,000. 29000 Then you got to go take another loan just to replace the battery. And if it just lasts another 70,000 miles, that's a, you know, 140,000. That's nothing on a car. Uh, you get, uh, I mean, I've got, I had my Lexus, uh, our LX 470. I had 350,000 miles on that car. Still ran great. It's just the back wheel started locking up and couldn't figure out what the problem was. But, uh, just like all this stuff, they all say, yeah, switch over. It's going to work. It's going to work. Well, it ain't working yet. All right. We're going to take a break. That does work. And then we'll be back. We'll have the news and weather. He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere. A radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back on this Thursday. I'm looking at some... Um, dot cameras right now that uh, traffic back up at uh, I-240 and 55 and in both directions. I would avoid that whole area uh, right there at I-240 west of uh, Airways Boulevard. And the camera's got a shot of uh, east and westbound, and it's uh, it's a mess. Which is, you know, one thing, still talking about electric cars, when you're in a, a, a car that's... Uh, with a combustion engine, I mean, you can sit and wait in line, you know, for hours. Not so with uh, electric cars, and even finding uh, uh, places to charge them is not easy. Uh, United States Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, an ardent proponent of electric vehicles, admitted he has trouble finding reliable electric vehicle charging stations while he's traveling on the road. Welcome to our world, Pete. Buttigieg, who uh, complained to the Wall Street Journal about public EV charging stations as President Joe Biden's administration launched an effort to revamp more than 6,000 charging stations that are temporarily unavailable. We definitely had the, that experience, but a judge said, about pulling into EV charging stations only to realize they're out of service. Matter of fact, it had just a few days ago at a park in, uh, in town. Imagine what it would be like to, if you couldn't be sure when you'd pull into a gas station that you'd actually find gas there. Uh, this is about to make sure that uh, access to charging is available and reliable across um, uh, and access to fuel is, is today for gas cars. And we know that that's not just a question of quality, but also one of uh, a quantity, but quality. Yeah, because if you don't have 250, 
240 volts as opposed to 110, I mean, it takes forever. If you don't have all the supercharging stations, I mean, you're talking hours. And, uh, and then you could be sitting there waiting to get your car charged. If they take too long, you'll run out of power and you can't even push it up to the pump or to the electric charging station. When they die, you can't push them, you can't pull them. Uh, Biden's administration on Wednesday announced a $100 million in federal funds to repair existing but non-operational electric vehicle charging infrastructure. Thanks to President Biden's investing in America's agenda, agenda, we are building up a national EV charging network with chargers made in the USA. Energy Secretary Jennifer Gremlin, this is the woman that was having somebody hold a parking place for her at a charging station because she couldn't get her car charged. That we were just telling you about. Uh, today's investment is a pivotal step toward revitalizing our current charging infrastructure and making EV driving cheaper, more reliable, and more convenient. Of the roughly 150,000 public charging ports available to EV drivers, more than 6,000 fall under the temporarily unavailable category. Charging ports fall under this category for things like routine maintenance, power issues, or damage from vandalism, according to the Wall Street Journal. EV drivers reportedly face range of anxiety, which refers to the fear of getting stranded on the road. The $100 million in funding comes from Biden's $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill Congress passed in 2021. They ain't got any money for that either. They'll just print some more and say, yeah, we took care of it. Uh, currently, Tesla charging stations are the most reliable, as they did had just a 4% failure rate, according to an August study from J.D. Power. On the other hand, chargers outside of Tesla network had a 20% failure rate. Overall, driver sentiment about charging has been on the decline since 2021, and charger build-out isn't keeping up the pace. With a rapid arrival of more EVs, said Brent Gruber, J.D. Power's executive director. EV practice, the Wall Street Journal reported. You're taking an area that's already deficient in terms of availability, and you're widening that gap, Gruber said, told the outlet. And I saw an article the other day with this family out of Canada. Uh, they were going to drive down into the United States and cut across through Chicago and, and then go to, I think, Washington, D.C., uh, and so they left Canada, and the first place they got to, they only made it like 200 miles of the 300 they thought they were going to be able to make it with. And they had to stop and recharge re, uh, their truck. And then uh, they it, it stalled out before they could uh, get to the next charging station. Now, this is up in the northeast where they got more than down here. And uh, they had to end up abandoning their truck because they couldn't find any charging stations that they could reach. And then they had to go back and get it towed someplace else. And, and, and it's just a horrible mess. And here's the things that people still haven't realized. If you're going uphill, it eats more energy than if you're going downhill. Same thing with gas. But if the, if the temperature is below 50, the batteries burn a lot faster. So when they say you've got a range of 300, 350 miles, that may or may not be true. And if you run out, I mean, think about being on a trip. That's where they talk about the anxiety. You you got your family, you're loaded up, you're headed to Destin. And in, in today's world, if you're in a gas-powered car, you could leave Collierville and you can make it uh, with plenty of gas left to Birmingham. You get lunch, you fill up the car, use the bathroom, 
And then five hours later, you're indebted. And, uh, but the, you don't worry about it. But if for some reason, because there's a lot of that, uh, you're going uphill and downhill, and uh, the wind's blowing, if it's raining. <clears throat> and there's another thing. They tell you not to drive. I was watching a, a new, the new F-150 uh, Ford truck. They're having the Detroit car show going right now. Now, that's great if you're four-wheel driving. You can drive through mud and water if it's <clears throat> excuse me, uh, gas-powered. But if it's electric, they tell you don't get those, don't drive into water in electric cars. And definitely don't drive in it if it's seawater, salt water. They say those car batteries will actually explode if they get salt water in them. So there you are. And I know that uh, the firefighters I've talked to say if they catch on fire, what they do is uh, kind of clear everything around the perimeter of the car and just kind of wait it out because there's nothing you can do to put it out. So. Uh, I think it's a great idea, and I think the hybrids are great, as, as long as the battery doesn't die on you. It costs you twenty nine thousand to get another battery because you can't drive it just on the gas part of the motor. So, um, and that's the whole thing. They're making a switch over to it, and and that's one of the things that this possible strike tonight with the UAW is about because they're saying uh, you're trying to dissuade everybody from buying the cars that we know work, and we've gone along with all the EPA and the the environmental regulations and and that you've set up that they got to be lighter, they got to get more gas mileage, you got to do all that, and then you come along and say, now we want you to buy electric cars, and if they don't buy those, and you stop making the others or outlaw gas powered cars, then you've actually killed off the entire auto industry, and don't think these guys don't know it, and so that's part of what the, this. Uh, Dealing up, as I understand it, they didn't meet at all today. They're going to walk out at midnight tonight, and I think that the the auto industry is going. Well, let's just see how many go out, and uh, you know. But until the pressure starts getting to these people because they're out, they're not making any money. How how long could you go without making any money? Now the union leaders they keep getting paid, which is always when you ask, "Are you getting paid?" Yes, I'm getting paid. I'm negotiating. I'm I'm doing my job. Well, no, you're not, because now we're out of strike and we ain't getting paid anything. But that's that's the unions, and plus the unions, especially with the Democrats, were always that was kind of like a slush fund. The union collects the money from their membership, and then they donate huge amounts of money to uh, the Democrat Party, and then the Democrat Party always took care of the unions. Well, guess what? Ain't happening now, and the unions ain't happy. About so as you can see, there's uh, trouble in paradise. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and we got to George Gully with uh, Jim Karras Chevrolet is going to be in here in about uh, 20 minutes. And we're going to talk more about that, what it means to you. I do know that he mentioned to me that um, if you're thinking about buying a car, this would be a good opportunity to do it because they, they have some incentives. And once if they go on strike and they're not making cars, you know how it backed up before when they stopped making them. It could be uh, quite a while before you can get one. But we'll talk about that coming up uh, after the uh, bottom of the hour. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now, then we'll be right back. And welcome back on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, got a call during the break uh, from Tracy, uh, who... Wanted to know, I've talked about this before, but it's a good place to get tires. And uh, it, they're, they're used tires, but it's not like they've been taken off of cars and 
they're they come up with cars that are usually very late models with very few miles on them. And the name of the place is called Auto Tech. It's on six seventy nine Poplar Avenue in Collierville. Small little garage, uh, and you pull in there, and they what they do is they buy tires from insurance companies when somebody wrecks a, a car. A lot of times it's just the, the outside of the car or the frame or something, but the tires are in perfect condition. I mean, a set I got for my, one of my cars uh, about two years ago, they still have those little uh, knobbies sticking out on the bottom of the tires. I mean, they didn't have any miles on them at all. And brand new match set, uh, Michelin tires. And instead of paying 800 a $1,000 for a set of tires, I think I paid something like $240. So it's, it's a huge sell savings. Uh, but it's called Auto Tech, and uh, the phone number, if you're listening out there, write this down, 901-854-3811. A really nice man that uh, runs the place, uh, and uh, that's what he does. He takes it, and they also put on uh, uh, new, uh, uh, we air the tire up, the little spindle. They put new caps on those, and they also uh, weight and balance your tires, so... It's a heck of a deal, and uh, I tell everybody I can about it because tires are just like everything else, just out of sight and price. The other thing is there's a battery place on Bahia Road. You go out of Collierville on Bahia and go on down to just before you get to uh, 69. And on the left, there's a place, and I'll, I'll uh, have to look it up, uh, but it's uh, in Bahia, Bahalia, and it's a battery place. And uh, they rebuild batteries. And this is another way you can sell, uh, save a lot of money. I mean, a battery can cost anywhere from 200 to 300 to 400 to 500, depending on whether you go to a dealership or to Walmart or one of the tire and battery places. But these are rebuilt batteries. And I was just reading about it a while ago. Are rebuilt batteries uh, worth the price? Turns out average battery lasts about five years. When you go get a battery rebuilt, they can last up to 10 years. And guess what they cost? Uh, like I got one for my car, and the battery was, uh, if I'd gone to Walmart, it was going to be 250 bucks. I bought it uh, for 100 and if you take your old battery to them, they give you 12 bucks for that, so it was less than $75 bucks, uh, than tax. And if you got a battery that will last you 10 years <laughs> instead of a brand-new battery that will last you five. So uh, uh, keep that in mind. I'm trying to look this up, uh, It's uh, but it's in Bahalia, right out there uh, by, uh, like, it, as you go, you're leaving uh, Collierville, and you drive down, and you'll pass a, a bunch of businesses but it's before you get to 69, which is a four-way stop there, and and uh, it'll be on your left. It's the last business on your left. So, but uh, I'll I'll do some research and I'll tell you about that uh, manana. But if you're looking for tires, Auto Tech is a great place to go to because uh, you can save some dough, and that's uh, what we're all trying to do. Um, but electric cars have still got a long way to go, and uh, I'm not going to get one until I think that they're they're where they should be, and you can charge them. I mean, there's a lot of people that have two cars. They got one for in-town travel that they, because they say they're great if you're just traveling around town doing 12, 15, 20, 30 miles, and you go home and charge it again. But if you got to do any real traveling, like drive to Nashville or further, 
you don't want to go in an electric car. I don't know if you saw they caught that guy who had broken out of prison in Pennsylvania that he was hiding out in the woods and they called all these guys in and they caught him and uh, had him. They cut his uh, his the Philadelphia Flyers sweatshirt off of him because he really do somebody like that because obviously he he knew what he was doing as far as survival and they fought it. He fought back even when they sicked the dog on him. He fought the dog. They pulled the dog off because they didn't want the dog to get hurt, and he fought them. This guy's not even five feet tall, probably didn't weigh 160 pounds, if that much. Anyway, they all gathered. It was a bunch of Border Patrol guys they brought in because they're used to finding people hiding in the bushes. And uh, the uh, had, but they had all every branch of service you could think of. They had uh, drones. They had helicopters. They had um, thermal cameras. That's how they found him was the thermal camera picked up a heat signal off his body. Cause it's starting to get cool at night up there. And then they, they got him and apprehended him and brought him back to this area. And they were all standing around taking pictures with him and standing in front of him, holding the gun that he had stolen. And so they were catching a lot of heat, uh, you know, uh, getting their picture taken with him. Hey, I'm proud of these guys. They, they should have their picture plastered all over the place. So after Pennsylvania prison escapee Danilo Cavacante was handcuffed Wednesday morning, but before he was placed into the back of an armored van, several dozen heavily armed officers gathered around him in an arc. Cavacante was positioned in front with an officer holding his arms. One officer holding a twenty-two caliber rifle went down to one knee and held the weapon up. Uh, the canine dogs, which eventually ones that uh, tracked him down, uh, were in clear view. Together, they all looked in one direction at an officer holding up a phone to take a photo. This is all being photographed by some news organization, a helicopter or a drone. The group photo captured an overhead video from CNN affiliate KYW came after a nearly two-week-long manhunt for this guy, convicted murderer who escaped August 31st from a prison in Chester County, Pennsylvania, at a news conference about an hour after his uh, capture, Pennsylvania State Police Lieutenant Colonel George Bevins said he had no problem with the picture. Those men and women worked amazingly hard through some very trying circumstances, he said. They're proud of their work. I'm not bothered at all by the fact they took a photograph with him in custody. Again, they're proud of their work. They kept the community safe. I say thanks to them and good job. I agree. And all about 500 law enforcement officers, including members of the Pennsylvania State Police, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, Explosives, the FBI, U.S. Marshals participated in the manhunt that took them through hilly, rugged terrain in a rural area about 30 miles from Philadelphia. The suspect was captured Wednesday morning by a tactical team of the State Police and the U.S. Border Patrol. A police dog subdued the fugitive before officers took him to his sto- and his stolen twenty two rifle into custody. Group photo is one of a number of police photos taken with him and displayed next to Bevins at the news conference was a photo of the fugitive in handcuffs. I mean, hey, they uh, they took care of business and uh, nobody got killed, and uh, and uh, so goody for them. They did fire one of the the guards at the prison because this guy just. He did the, the crab crawl out of there. I don't know if you saw the video. He put his hands against the wall, put his feet against the opposite wall, and just back walked backward up the wall. My daughter used to do that in the doorway at her home when she was a little kid. She could climb anything. She could probably get out of a prison. And she would just walk up the doorway, and, uh, and that's exactly what this guy did. 
And so he was obviously in good shape. He had killed, murdered his girlfriend, stabbed her to death. And he's originally from Brazil. And they said his sister uh, didn't cooperate with police. There's a good chance she should be, she'll be uh, deported. I mean, he should be deported. I mean, these people, they, they break into our country. They kill people. And then uh, they don't cooperate with our law enforcement to help get the bad ones that come with them out. And uh, then they wonder why. I got to do something about all these, these immigrants, too. I mean, this, this, uh, over 100,000 in, in New York, and they're complaining. We've had 7 million come into our country over the last few years. 7 million. I mean, who can take that kind of pressure? And where are they going to go? I mean, they're putting them up in New York in nice hotels and feeding them and educating their children, giving them cell phones, changing their sheets. I mean, who does that? In the meantime, I saw heard yesterday we got 76,000 veterans living on the streets. Now, something ain't right. They let them in our country, take care of them, give them health care, educate them, and our veterans are living on the streets. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, I did get the name of the battery. Uh, these are rebuilt batteries. It's Ellis Battery, 3350 North Highway 309 there in Bahalia. Uh, George Gully just uh, stepped in, and we were just talking about the impending strike with the UAW. Yeah. And uh, he said, that's good you're giving that information out because there's going to be a shortage of everything coming up. You're right, Earl. First, thanks for having me, having me today. It's a beautiful day outside. Oh, it is incredible. I was saying that earlier. It's fall makes you happy. <laughs> I was in a good mood until I looked at my, <laughs> at my ticker on the strike <laughs> we're about to talk about. And, uh, you know, folks, this is a serious time in the car business right now. I've been with... Um, GM dealer for over 34 years and oh okay sorry Earl but th- this said we're we're trying to work out uh, a last minute um, settlement, settlement yeah. yeah for the uh, impending strike by UAW on tell, Ford Chrysler and GM tell the folks what they're asking for because this is unbelievable to me well I mean, I, I've been working my whole life you've been working your whole yeah, life I couldn't and, imagine and, coming up and, and said so I wanna, if I ask you Earl would you consider a 20% increase in your pay for the next four years, you, you'd say, for Oh sure. yeah, absolutely. Well, they, they have called that uh, virtually audacious that we said that. And then now they are, their response has, has been from day one. We want a 46% increase in almost a wages. 50% increase. Yeah. And we want a 32 hour work week. So more money, less work. That's what they said. And so we, folks, we, we are, you know, on the cusp of a, of a really big thing in the U.S. economy right now. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, 50% of all retail automobile sales and um, a huge, huge percentage of parts will be cut off. Tell, tell them how it works, though, because for a lot of people, they think, well, that's, you're just talking about new cars. You are. But guess what new cars are made of? Of parts. Oh, sure. 
And if they stop making the, the parts, the people that work in the, su- the supply industries, the plants stop buying, the parts company is going to stop making it because they're not going to build up some huge inventory they got to sit on. No. It's, exactly what did you right. say earlier? It's about a 20 day supply well, on average. Well, if you go back pre COVID, and, and you even asked me what we got through COVID, and yeah, that was a big ordeal in and of itself because of the chip issues and other things that were going on with plant shutdowns. But uh, we've, we've gotten it back. Uh, to a reasonable number of, say, 30 days or less in terms of uh, product in all of our manufacturers' uh, dealerships. Uh, but assuming this does uh, happen tonight, you're going to see um, you're going to see car dealerships run out of uh, automobiles within uh, three weeks. Wow. And uh, there's no more coming. So right now, because I know that you see these pictures all the time outside freight yards and in Detroit where there's these huge parking lots full of cars. Those are not there now? No, they're not there. So did they, did the unions start planning this a while back? This has been, we've been knowing this was coming for almost uh, a month and a half and, and truly trying to negotiate in good faith. Uh, I know the GM position was to offer a, uh, additional benefits and 10% increase. That was rejected. Then they went to 15, and now, as of lunch today, it went to 20. And that, that's, that's still a darn good. These guys will be – I saw an interview on CNBC. The average automobile worker with benefits would achieve a six-figure amount of money. So over $100,000 a year. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they don't want to work you with – you and I, you know, we, we, we struggle to make our living, as do many of your listeners – and so I, I yeah. have trouble empathizing with someone. I, I can understand cost of living increases and other things, but not pushing it to that level. And you have to really think about what we're talking about here. I've been inside manufacturing plants, or automobile manufacturing plants. Everybody has a specific job, and it may be taking a robotic uh, uh, welding thing. It's going up and it goes, right. and that's what you do all day long. It is, does not take a, a degree in biochemistry to do this. And and so it's like anything else. What is this job really worth? They have far exceeded what the job is really worth, which is why they've gone to all these, um, you know, robotics. and. We are hopeful that the UAW constituents will recognize what you and I are discussing, that, that we as a uh, manufacturer, I'm representing, uh, representing for GM here, uh, and Ford too. They both offered twenty today. That they will come back and say to their to their leadership, you know, we can't live on the five hundred dollars strike pay you're going to pay. No, that's what they're going to pay them. Yeah, and they can't hold out, or they don't want to hold out. Right now, the average American is uh, living check to check. Right, and if anything happens, you know this because you you deal with helping people get financing all the time. If they stub their toe and have a five hundred or thousand dollar bill come up unexpectedly, they got problems. And the UAW workers are not any different. And, and no, they, a lot of them no. live in expensive places. Yeah, and and again, back to this five hundred dollar check, which is what they're going to see as far as uh, from their union wages. I think that they will wake up and see that they have a pretty darn good deal, even at 20% increase. When did the rank and file get to vote on this? Because right now it's all being handled by the the union leadership, correct? You're 100% correct, and I'm not sure of that. I know that they voted uh, three and a half weeks ago to uh, go on strike. 96% agreed to go on strike. 
So that's a big number now. Well, and, and, and I understand that, but that's on the front end. Yeah. Now with the money in place that they're offering, I think you'll see some people voicing their opinion. The The leader of the, um, of the UAW, uh, his last name is Fain, and, or Fine, and he it was only elected to the leadership by a very narrow margin. So it could go the other way very quickly. Well, the thing is, uh, I just hate this because you look at 20%. Right now, we've got an inflation rate of what, around the 7%? Yes. So you think about 20%, that's far exceeding what the current inflation rate is. The rest of us aren't getting raises to no. make up for that. And you talk, you look at anybody out there that gets an annual raise, it's usually around 2 to 3%. That's right. In the real world. In the real world. And if they got them 20%, you know, I, you got to start saying, it's not just them they're thinking about. They need to think about this is the whole nation that's going to suffer if this thing goes down. Absolutely. So here we're, we're getting somber about it, but yet it's still a chance this thing will get worked out, and it will be worked out. It's the first time in U.S. history that we've that they have struck all three major uh, manufacturers. Well, I know, and this week the Detroit Car Show is in yeah. full swing. The first time that has happened since back before the pandemic. Absolutely. So it's like just about the time things are coming back to normal, even though we've got inflation, high fuel prices, there are a lot of other things that are working against us. The last thing we needed was a national um, strike by union workers. No, we don't need this. So I'll, I'll end with this thought. We still have cars. Here, I'm going to twist it and spin it in my direction, Earl. I'm still selling I had a lady yesterday that bought a car that would, had one on order. It came in. It was unclaimed, and I called her, and I said, you know, it's going to be months possibly before we see your car. She came down and bought it within two hours. So we do have deals being offered. Uh, we've got a good selection of used cars and uh, plenty plenty of trucks right now. Well, and you, you, the reason I said we need to get on and talk about this is because they do need to take action. Okay. Uh, a number of things are going to take place. Um, there's going to be some people are going to want to try to make hay while this and finances yeah. could go up in price because everybody knows they're getting to, trying to close deals quickly. The other thing is the inventory is going to shrink very quickly. Yeah, then then it'll be out of my control. And then so you, then you're looking at used vehicles and what happens and this happens with every used vehicle because I've bought a lot of them over the years. You get it and it's almost perfect because you guys try to get them lined up, everything's fixed, but there's always something. And then you got to go get the part, and otherwise oh, you're yeah. dead in the water. Yeah, that's right. And we're, we're thinking about it. We're meeting about it as we you know, we met this morning. How do we deal with this? And and as this progresses along, you'll, I'll have you back oh, I'll in. I'll be back. And, and I'll we'll, give a, a, an up-to-date report to all of your listeners. Because we, we do need to let everybody know, how do you handle this? You know, how do we – because it's, it, it's a fight just like me telling people about tires and batteries. You sure. Know? Sure, and that's a great service you just did to someone for yeah, someone because uh, we're all fighting. I may not have a battery to sell them in about another month. <laughs> well, you're but right. we'll try. You yeah. know we will. Well, I was just telling George about uh, Taco Bell, uh, sixty bucks to take your family of four out. He went, "What? Oh my gosh!" <laughs> we used to live when we were in college at Taco oh, Bell. Dollar ninety nine meal, oh, or whatever it was back then. You couldn't carry the sack out of there; it was uh, so big. Okay. How, how can they get a hug? Oh, well, they can call me at. Uh, Jim Carrey Chevrolet at 387-2000, or you can reach me on my cell, 901-491-8343. All right, and uh, we're going to keep our fingers crossed, folks, and hope they can get this thing settled quick. And in the meantime, we'll keep you posted on what's going on. Thank you, Earl. Thank you, George. We'll be right back. And welcome back on this uh, Thursday afternoon. Don't 
Forget about uh, Navy playing the University of Memphis tonight at the uh, Libertyville Stadium. It's going to be a gorgeous night to be out enjoying that. Um, and I do want to mention to the folks who are calling in about tires and batteries. Uh, the tire place is Auto Tech. It's on Powell Avenue here in Collierville, in Collierville, I'm in East Memphis right now. And uh, then the battery place is called Ellis Battery. And it's at 3350 North Highway 309 right there at Bahalia. Um, save you a tremendous amount of money. And the, the brand-new tires and the rebuilt batteries, which I, uh, I bought them. And uh, I know a lot of people that dealers that uh, use car dealers that buy them because they're very inexpensive, and they actually last longer than a new battery. Go figure. Go figure that out. So uh, anyway, uh then this uh, just heard this today. Everything you got, uh, Hunter Biden got indicted on his gun weapons charges, which is really, I mean, they say he could face 20 years in prison. He's a first time offender. At least they hadn't convicted of anything else before. And so, in those cases, in fact, I heard one ATF agent saying they usually, on something like this, lying on an application, they usually uh, give them a very short sentence or a fine. Uh, but then you get the, the all the Democrats are always saying we got to have stronger gun laws. We got to be, you know, nobody should have a gun. And then what do they do? The president's son lies on a on an application, and they go, "Well, this is really not that big a deal, you know. It's it's Hunter, just like they used to say about Joe. Well, it's Joe. Well, and they also say that everybody is uh, is equal under the law, as long as it ain't them being charged with something. But then the I got this word today. Judge rejects the request to try all the Trump Georgia defendants together next month. They had, I think, two people that said they wanted a, an early trial. And they and if you ask for an early trial, which doesn't give your lawyers any time at all to prepare for it, but the court joins the skepticism expressed by several federal courts that denying sur, uh, severance always ensures efficiency, especially in the mega trials such as this. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee wrote in order, McAfee's ruling means former President Trump will not be tried in October, which is just next month, along, uh, alongside at least two of the co-defendants who invoked their right to a speedy trial. It marks a major blow to District Attorney Fannie Willis, Democrat, who repeatedly urged McAfee to keep the defendants together and try them at the same time. She's just despicable. I mean, she really is. When you think of people that are out there that are district attorneys that are actually trying to try people that have actually done things that are wrong, and she just rounded up all these people just and went through, and I don't know if you know how a grand jury works. It's a bunch of people. That if you've ever served on a jury, you get a letter that said, you, you've got jury duty. We need you in this building downtown. You get down there, and you never know if it's going to be a federal jury, if it's going to be a grand jury, if it's going to be just a civil case. And you end up getting on a jury, grand jury, and it lasts for several months, and you got to go to all the meetings, and you can't get out of it. And what they tell you is you have a, a district attorney that gets up there and says, okay, this this horrible person did this, this, and this, and we want you to indict him on all these different counts. And there's nobody else up there. There's no defense attorney saying, but that's a total exaggeration. He may have done this, but he didn't do that. It's whatever the district attorney says he did. It's all all the information you have. So they go in there and say all these horrible people did all this stuff. 
and we want them all tried, and we don't want to give them any time to prepare for it. So we want to put them on trial, have them all have to have be in the same courtroom at the same time, and uh, and so the judge said no. And it means the former President Trump will not be tried in October, alongside at least uh, two other defendants. It also, it's a major blow to this Fannie Willis. And uh, though McAfee did not set a trial date for Trump, his ruling sets a motions deadline of December 1, which would come before any eventual trial. Trump and his 18 co-defendants have all pleaded not guilty to the combined 41 charges they face. Trump has looked to delay all four criminal cases he faces and previously argued that he would not be ready for trial by October. I mean, who would? They got some 48 counts against him, and your lawyers have to sit there and look at each one. Who are the witnesses? What are the evidence? I mean, you have to get evidence, and they have to supply you all the evidence they have against you so you can defend yourself. And I guarantee they drag their feet on that. It's ambiguous. Oh, we left this out. We left that out. Do they get in trouble for that? No, they do not. Uh, he wrote in the order that uh, severance is an absolute necessity regardless of whether each defendant showed a particular need. Additional divisions of the defendants will be uh, required. That is a decision for another day once the many anticipated pretrial motions have been resolved and a realistic trial date approaches, he wrote. McAfee also determined that defendants Kenneth Chesbro and Sidney Powell, the two lawyers who last month invoked their right for a speedy trial, let me turn the page here. Big old fingers. Um, well, get an upturn. Uh, the judge said uh, he would do so at a hearing last week. Uh, they had argued in court filings that he never met Powell, rendering it impossible to try their cases together. Defendants' judicial economy concerns simply do not outweigh the resources expanded through this additional trial. I promise you, this Fanny Willis woman does not care in the least about the rights of these individuals. What she cares about is running for governor. And I guarantee you, mark my words, that's going to be her next deal is she's going to run for governor on the fact that she put all these Republicans in jail. And uh, uh, Georgia, Fulton County is a huge Democratic stronghold. Although, with the way the economy's going and all everything that's happening, inflation, uh, just you name it, uh, they might not be so many Democrats in the future because it just ain't working for anybody. And when it ain't working for everybody, people are starting to say, I may not like who these people are, but I can't live like this anymore. And uh, right now, I think there are a lot of people that are saying, I can't and I don't want to live like this anymore. I mean, everybody's got the face of the same thing. It doesn't matter whether you're in South Memphis, North Memphis, Collierville, Bartlett, Everybody has to go to the grocery store. And we've all cut back. I don't care who you are. You've cut back. And, uh, you know, at some point, there's going to be nothing left to cut back. That's our show for today. Go Tigers tonight. And uh, we'll be back same time tomorrow, except we're going to be at Buster's Liquor with Guy Fiera. Come see us.